such sights to show you. Welcome to the 48th episode of The Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes dead is better. I'm Sierra Houck, and I'm here with my lovely siren friends, Jackie DeVore and Melissa Megan. Hello. Hello. And we're sorry that it's been a, a long while since we had an episode. Life just got super crazy for everybody. And we, you know, we don't want the podcast to be stressful. We want it to be a fun thing that we do. So we uh, gave ourselves a little break. And now we're back with the good stuff. That technically makes us season three for us, huh? I don't know. Does season it? three? Yeah. It's <laughs> the first episode after our second anniversary. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Six seasons in a movie. We'll get there. in the time that we've had our little break there's been a ton of horror news and just like general stuff jackie do you want to start listing things off for us since you compiled our list absolutely yeah uh so as sierra said it's been a minute since we've all been together and chatted here and quite a few things have happened in that time we're gonna toss you guys a little news segment to just catch up on things that you or we may have missed. Don't worry, we're gonna keep it horror and or sirens related. We're not going to, uh, you know, throw a bunch of politics at you. Too bad. the true horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll still be your break from the depressing news cycle, except for this first bit. But mm-hmm. this is necessary for us to mention here. Sadly, we need to open up our show this week by addressing some horrifying news, and really not in the good way. Uh, You may have heard that Chris Hardwick has now joined the wrong side of the Me Too movement. Actress, cosplayer, and model Chloe Dixtra has alleged sexual and emotional abuse during their time as a couple. Hardwick responded in a less than ideal way. We've actually, we've been talking about it all week over here. Yeah. We wouldn't normally talk about this kind of thing on our show, but we've mentioned in the past how we all met on an invite-only social media site that was created by Chris Hardwick called The Node. We've even worked with him on projects in the past, and we all we all kind of have this weird connection with Chris Hardwick. So we we understand our connection with the story, and we see how important it is to speak out against people who do this kind of thing, you know, who abuse other people. That's just simply in the category of not cool things to do. Yeah. I think it's just important for us to say that he's dead to us now yeah, yeah <laughs> and that we super believe and stand with and support chloe yeah. hardwick has been canceled we're we're done with him we Over are it. really heartbroken to see this side of hardwick and this entire story but in no way did we ever at any point be like wait really did this really happen but no we we believe mm-hmm. chloe like we're standing with chloe we're 100 on board there I'll say I'm very pleased to see how many folks that I know from being a fan of Nerdist and the Node and all of that kind of stuff, they flat out like, this is not okay. Yeah. There's only been like one person that I know because of Nerdist that I've just blocked and unfollowed because of like shitty things they've said about the matter. But for the most part, everybody's being super supportive and wonderful. Yeah, I've seen that too, which is like the only heartwarming part about this whole story. So. hmm it kind of makes me want to get the Node family back together and do like a creative Just project like or something. Nobody called that we Chris. raise money for rain or something. <laughs> yeah, a big old fuck you. Like <laughs> we don't need you to to lead us and do good. Yeah. We don't need we your project. Yeah. Yep, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, but it's you, really you guys pretty sad. much said it all. I don't really know how much time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
We've talked about it so much already. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking it to death lately. This has been like a huge kind of flooring news for all of us here. But other than that, there have been a lot of things developing in the world of horror lately. So let's touch on a couple of those real quick. Bloomhouse has teamed up with Tang Media to start making horror movies in China. And can we just recognize how much Bloomhouse is fucking killing it these days? Yeah. Wow. Bloomhouse is all over the place. I'm pretty sure they also are the parent company for A24, which has been going so hard in a horror world over the past few years, too. Hmm. So, yeah. That's cool. I never knew that connection existed. Yeah. Bloomhouse in general, I'm just, I'm really, really on board with just watching everything they do these days. I didn't mean that literally, but you know what? I guess I kind of do mean that literally. <laughs> <laughs> next up halloween 2018 has been announced i don't know how you guys feel about this like for me it's a little bit exciting but at the same time it's like aren't we done with that already yeah it was so not on my radar that when i saw you wrote that in our notes i was like yeah of course we're gonna have a halloween this year <laughs> halloween happens every october jackie <laughs> so maybe we should specify <laughs> yeah the movie <laughs> the franchise Halloween has been rebooted. The cool thing is that Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter are already on board. But personally, I would just much rather see those resources go toward original horror stories. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I agree. It happens. In our last episode, I chatted you ladies up about The Expanse and how badass it is in the sci-fi world and how it needed to be saved. And I am happy to give a follow-up that that has been picked up by Amazon. Yeah, yeah. But there's a little more to the story that I want to throw at you here. In addition to, like, the planes flying over, the Amazon headquarters, and all that shit that I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. the fans actually raised enough money to shoot a model of the ship used in the show into space. That's funny. I know. (laughs) (laughs) They shot it into space. They were also having cakes delivered to the Amazon offices daily. These got personal email emails from uh, George R.R. Martin and the founder of Craigslist of all the of all things <gasps> to please save the expanse. And then he was at the National Space Society. He was at, you know, a big the big conference there. And while he was on stage, he called up Amazon Studios and said, I'm at an event, a space seminar. I'm looking at the cast of the expanse here. And I would like to get up there and order the show. Can I? (laughs) And uh, Jennifer Salk, who is the boss lady of business affairs and Amazon Studios side of things, said, yeah, go ahead and do that. So they saved both The Expanse and Lucifer. Oh, Lucifer too. That's cool. Yeah. So that's uh, some pretty fucking rad news. It's weird how dramatic that got there. but (laughs) For real. (laughs) (laughs) People are uh, passionate about smart sci-fi. There's also been a few other things to come out slash been announced. A Mary Shelley biopic is in the works, which I think sounds awesome. Uh, Yeah, for sure. She was crazy and like in the good way. She was like a major badass. Undead Girl Gang, which was the book by our friend Lily Anderson a couple of uh, episodes ago, is now out and available for purchase. Mm -hmm. If you haven't checked that out, please do so. And the movie The First Purge has been announced, begging the question, are we done with the Purge movies? Can we move on from that now? Can I just tell you, <laughs> I am so annoyed that that movie is coming out right now. I think it's the worst possible timing for another one of those fucking movies. And Well, they have to do it for 4th of July because America. 
I just are you trying to say don't give Trump any ideas? I'm just trying to say <laughs> that people are pretty unhinged at this point in time, and yeah, yeah we don't need more like gratuitous violence. Yeah. Like the, the, like real the balance of sanity reality. in the United States feels pretty like kind of like it's standing on one of those like you know those little like spherical shaped exercise balls that you stand on yeah. and you wobble on top yeah. of it back and forth. That's kind of how yeah. the sanity of the entire country feels right now. And I don't yeah. think putting out a film about having free reign to murder and, and, uh, and beat people in the streets is a, is a good choice right now. For real. I 100% agree there. Besides the fact, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer, but the entire trailer paints this movie as basically about the government attacking black people. Yeah. It's totally oh, a racial commentary. Oh no. It is. Mm-hmm. I, it was a trailer f- before a uh, Deadpool and, and it just like, I remember it myself and my friend Carolyn looking at each other when it was over. And we're like, did we just watch a trailer about the government attacking black people in the street? I think we did. <laughs> oh God. That's oh. yeah. Horrible. Well, we will lean on each other to get through that here shortly. <laughs> <laughs> in happier news though, this is pride month and we are our big supporters. Uh, pride we actually wanted to do an lgbt episode this month but the timing is just not working out for us so we do want to bring your attention to a trending hashtag on twitter it's a hashtag pride boost if you uh check that on twitter you will see some amazing artists storytellers just like really fucking cool people doing really fucking cool things and we are we're 100 here for it yeah i was retweeting some of the horror theme stuff like a week ago and i just discovered so many new artists it's the it's so much fun it really is i think we should be honest here and say as well that when we started talking about doing this topic we realized that we're vastly undereducated about queer horror and so if there's somebody out there who wants to come on the show and help us (laughs) remedy that (laughs) yeah we're all on board with somebody coming and teaching us all about yes It's important. It's important for us to understand all aspects of horror. And I think I speak for everybody in saying that we could use a little bit of uh, guidance in that area. Yes. Mm-hmm. So reach out to us. Lastly, this is not horror or sirens related, but I would kick myself in the ass if I didn't mention this. How dare you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> really bad things are going on in the world right now, guys. And if you want to reach out to your representatives real quick, I just want to throw it out to uh, text resist to 50409 and they will help you compose a completely painless very official looking letter to your representatives they'll look them up and everything and send it with a a nice official looking greeting and all that so that's all you got to do text resist to 50409 i mean throwing bags of dog crap on their doorstep doesn't work anymore really really (laughs) encourage that i That's my technique. I mean, I have a lot of it in my that house. Strongly so. encouraged. But for those of us that don't want to face the world, <laughs> the text option. You can is just drive available. by and like pitch it at the front door. It doesn't really have to land on the porch. I've tested it. <laughs> it's also environmentally friendly if you put it in paper bags. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Either way, por qué no los dos? <laughs> Exactly. Why not both is always the response there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks for catching us up, Jackie. Anytime. I I just want to talk to you about what we do in the shadows. 
Because it took you so long you to watch it. And it's so good. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear your review, <laughs> you Jackie. Guys. So, <laughs> so after our uh, our last episode, the anniversary episode, where this came up yet again, and I had to admit yet again that I'm sorry I hadn't We've watched it. We've kind of threatened it. you. <laughs> Pretty much the very next day, I was like, all right, we got to watch this. I got to stop putting it off. It's just one of those <laughs> things I kept forgetting to do. But I am... Like, I'm mad I didn't watch it sooner. It's so fucking funny, you guys. I am, like, I am enthralled. Uh, <laughs> how, how Peter, Peter in the basement. He's the best. Oh, my God. And they're making, they're making a show of this, right? I haven't read much into it, but apparently it's being adapted into mm-hmm. a show. Yeah, I don't know if it's the same cast. I think mm. they're making, like, a show based on it. Yeah, I've heard different things. It's I've heard some some news reports and tweets and all those things say it is a TV show based on them, or it's a TV show based on the werewolves, or it's about the cops. I'm not sure exactly. But it's in that world somewhere. Yeah, I think it's just speculation <laughs> at this point. Well, I hope it's real and awesome. And also, I re- I very, very, very much love the werewolves, not swearwolves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, thank yeah. you for harassing me for years about that, guys. I- <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> was. It absolutely was. <laughs> it was worth the torment. We really just want to talk about what we do in the shadows for the uh, rest of the my show. My other record. You want to hear the other one? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Well, speaking of vampires, I don't know why I got on a um, interview with a vampire kick recently, but I did. Mm-hmm. So I rewatched an interview with the vampire, and I still love it. And I don't care what anybody says or how crazy Anne Rice is these days. I still love interview with the vampire. And I saw that there's actually a vampire stat, Vampire Chronicles show in the works that was supposed to be headed by Brian Fuller. He did things like oh, Breaking Bad and such, uh-huh. but he apparently just recently left the planning there and it sounds like it maybe because he didn't get enough creative control that he wanted mm-hmm. that's too bad yeah but he it is with it. yeah it is still in the works and if if the talent that they were looking for originally is brian fuller level then i i still have hopes for whomever they get on there but that's not my other rec- my other recommendation is insidious Four: the last key which or the final key or i don't fucking know it's insidious Four, you guys i i absolutely love the insidious series um i did feel it got kind of hokey at some points but honestly kind of in a good way like it it really kind of broke up the seriousness here and there they really still brought it with insidious 4 i know we weren't like champing at the bit to to watch insidious 4 like it felt like the series had kind of gone on for a while at that point but it's it's worth it it's worth a a watch because it really brings the entire series to a close very nicely they still crush it with special effects and the jump scares there are so few jump scares that can get me these days but insidious is all over it but yeah it's it's nothing this to write is, home about as an individual movie but it's nice as a closure to the series this is the one where the girl is like what is it a broken leg and she's in bed no that w- well that was the third one oh, okay then i don't think i've seen the last one no it came out earlier this year in like february or march and it oh, okay. uh, basically gives the origins of um, the like medium lady? Uh, Elise. Yeah. So it gives the origins of Elise and pretty much tells you the story of how Elise got to be 
where she is. It takes place in you know, kind of a weird time period. Like it does a lot of flashbacking and a lot of this is how Elise got started. But the actual main plot kind of happens after the third movie, but before the first movie. So it's a little bit weird in terms of timeline, but it works. Interesting. It's the same actress or did it's they the get same a actress. They did get a, um, a young version okay. of her. Yeah, I, like I, her a lot. I was actually uh, mentioning to my husband while we were watching it. Lynn Shay is the actress that plays Elise. And I absolutely love watching her because every single motion that she makes seems so intentional. Like it's like she mm-hmm. will touch a door and it just seems like she just put a lot of thought into it. Like that is her destiny is to touch that goddamn door right now. You know, like, <laughs> so I don't know what it is about it, but I love it. Uh, so, yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. I want to watch them all. Yeah, that would be like a, a, a really good. I think maybe that'll yeah, be a marathon weekend, weekend yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Because I like the series a lot, but I, it definitely needs to be like the overarching story, I think, sure. rather than yeah. the standalone. Well, well, I'm glad it didn't disappoint. Woohoo! Um, I saw a movie yesterday that did not disappoint either. I went and saw Hereditary. And you guys, oh my gosh, it really lives up to the hype. Yeah, I was skeptical about it because all of the advertising was comparing it to The Exorcist. And it's like the scariest movie you've ever seen. And like one of the the actors got PTSD from filming it. And so whenever that happens, yeah, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But it's like, honestly, I really... mm -hmm. It was super, super tense. Um, and what what can I say without giving things away? Comparing it to The Exorcist makes sense based on the subject matter. But mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that is like very psychological and like has a lot of little clues hidden throughout the thing that you kind of start to pick up on. But you know by the end that you've missed so much that they were just like putting it all out on the table and you didn't even notice. So it's going to be really good for, for a rewatch. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it. And there's a lot of, once you kind of think you know where the plot's going, it takes a really sharp turn. Um, and then it takes another really sharp turn. And it it's good at those misdirections. And it like doesn't feel like a cheap kind of like, ooh, a little twist at the end. Isn't that cute? <laughs> it was actually like genuinely made, made a lot of sense and it was well thought out. And the sound design was really good. And the it's a fairly small cast. It's about a family. And then you have like a f- a friend that the mom makes and that's more or less like the main characters and each one does a really really good job and i i really enjoyed it i want everybody to go see it so i can talk to people and not ruin it for them because <laughs> 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 you don't you want to know like you don't want to know a lot going into it you just want to let it surprise you yeah i've been trying to avoid spoilers and just even keep plot points like so hard mm-hmm. it's getting difficult i'm gonna need to just go and see it Yeah, but as far as, like, the story, it's so, like, up all of our alleys. (laughs) It might be a little hard for Melissa because there's a lot of, like, parent and child issues. And uh, they they definitely use that as a way to, like, get a reaction out of you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so caution but i think it's right (laughs) (laughs) put a trigger warning in there for me yeah a little bit (laughs) i'm gonna send you guys a picture because i just tried to look up images of it while you were talking sierra Uh and for some reason this like split screen image came up of tony collette's character screaming and then 
Peter Rabbit from the recent Peter Rabbit movie oh, screaming next to her. <laughs> I'm like, what are these two connected? And and then I opened it up. Apparently in Australia, they accidentally played the trailer for Hereditary before a screening of Peter oh, Rabbit. No, oh, I heard about so that. Funny. Oh god. <laughs> oh. oh no. Those kids are gonna be traumatized for life. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be pretty angry. The last uh I think it was the last Marvel movie maybe that we saw. They played like they played some really intense trailers mm-hmm. before it, like Venom, and there was something else, another trailer that had some scary monsters in it, and Max keep kind of covering his eyes oh, and going, I don't funny. like it's too scary. Oh, oh, that's not fair. But definitely not anything with <laughs> the level of hereditary. I can't find this damn picture. I just saved it to send it to you guys, but I'll find it. But it's just funny because it's got the two of them right next to each other, both screaming. <laughs> what? she feels like a a proper scream queen and like she reminded me a lot of kissy space from carrie carrie yeah it was it was just very good casting and everybody did a good job yeah something i ran into when i was looking up news items that have happened recently is there's been a a huge question lately of if horror can be an uplifted kind of next level medium that we've all been kind of dismissing well obviously not us but you know these these mm-hmm. clubs out here that don't believe yeah, in horror like we do people who don't get it yeah but <laughs> but with movies like hereditary and get out apparently uh horror is starting to get their the respect that it sometimes deserves that's nice i mean i feel like there's the the classics that are undeniable that everybody kind of like knows are very yeah. good and very thoughtful but Let then we mentioned just because they're horror, you don't put them yeah, in exactly. the same category. Like a lot of a lot of times when you mention horror, a lot of people just go to that, you know, B. Yeah. Slasher. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I don't think I can't think of another genre that has that wide sci-fi. of a breadth of quality and like yeah, probably sci-fi, but like some yeah, genres yeah. too. Which is probably good and bad for <laughs> for yeah. horror's image. My other recommendation for this episode is Stephen King's latest book. I'm a, a little more than halfway through it mm. called The Outsider, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It starts out kind of true crime vibes. The story is that it's in a small town and this kid is horribly murdered. And there are a ton of eyewitnesses that see this small town legend kind of guy who is a teacher at the school and he coaches the little league softball games every year and everybody knows him and everybody's friends with him and nobody would ever think that he would do such a thing. But there's all these like testimonies of people saying that they saw him coming out of the woods covered in blood. And like, it ends up, they, they end up finding all of his DNA and like fingerprints and everything at the crime scene. So what you're saying is that Stephen King wrote a horror version of the Me Too movement. A little bit. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the detectives and the police who go are on the case they go in and arrest him without really mm-hmm. checking out his alibi and his alibi actually checks out he went to this this like literary conference and so the whole question is how can somebody be in two places at once and so now about halfway through the book it's kind of takes a turn from being true crime to then being like more uh supernatural and yeah about like this weird oh, doppelganger creature. Yeah, it's super, it's super weird. That sounds awesome. And it reminds me of something that I also wanted to mention in my recommendations was the black tapes. Have you guys listened to those? 
Uh, not all the way through. I've heard some of them. They're pretty good. It's a, it's a podcast keep about them. story that's like three seasons long at this point, but it's very much involves bilocation and mm-hmm. uh, creepy monsters that look like other things. Yeah, I guess uh, Stephen King had an interview about the book on Colbert or something. A coworker is telling me about it. And he's just like, yeah, I'm really into doppelgangers right now. <laughs> Stephen King the cutest. <laughs> like, yep, very much so. <laughs> I had a scare this week or last week actually. Apparently there's some politician named Steve King. Oh no. And he was retweeting Nazis. Oh, and no. I saw somebody be like, Steve King is a Nazi. And I read Stephen King and I about had a heart attack. I was like, Where's Chris Harbor gonna know this? Oh god. <laughs> there's nothing sacred. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that's but a terrifying. Stevie moment. is still Stevie's still safe for now, I guess. He's also very outspoken and political on social media about yeah, totally. how Nazis are he pieces of shit. hates Trump. I know. That's why I thought it was, like, insane yeah. and why I'm glad it's not true. That book is super good. I haven't read a Stephen King book in a while, and it feels very nice to go back to it. Just the, the style of, of the characters and the writing and the dialogue and everything is very familiar and, like, it feels very cozy to read uh, this horror novel. I love that. It's it's like the feeling of going home, but in literary form. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And it's like not a huge, like, I can get the story without really putting too much attention into it. So I'm just like breezing through it because I'm so like used to his storytelling. So if you haven't read a Stephen King book in a while, that's totally a good one to pick up. Melissa, you have... I don't know. What is the killer puzzle? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say maybe it's a book thing, but I don't know. I'm sorry, guys, if I feel a little bit choppy tonight. I keep I have like a sinus infection, so I have to keep muting my mic and jumping back in and out Mm -hmm. so that I don't cough on you. Okay, Friday the 13th killer puzzle is this super fun mobile game that I recently discovered. And I'm addicted to it. Yeah. And I love telling you guys about mobile games because, you know, it's I don't know. I don't have a lot of time to sit and play as much time as I want to sit and play games. And mobile games, I think, allow people that feel like they don't really have gaming skills to play along. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's fun things to do when you're waiting on an appointment or, you know, everybody poop. Yeah. You might not want to have the volume up for this one while you're waiting at an appointment. (laughs) People are continuously being killed and screaming. (laughs) It's about Friday the 13th and it's this really cute like cartoony style. Little fat round heads on everybody and big bug eyes. And it's one of those. I don't know if you guys ever played a game like this, but it's basically gives you like a board. And the idea is that you have to move Jason around the board to kill the counselors or the people in a particular order. And when you move Jason, he he goes like all the way to one direction. So you have to like, oh, okay, yeah. you have to sort of utilize like, yeah, like the, the obstructions and the barriers and the things that are placed in different spots to, to uh, control where he ends up. Each board, each level gives you there's an x on the board and that's where your final kill is going to appear and they don't appear until you've killed everybody else on the board so you have to try to end up on that x so that you can kill your final person and there's some really fun things about this game uh first of all just the style of it it's cute to see little cartoon jason hacking at these little cartoon counselors you also get like you unlock new jasons every time you get to a new level 
So you get like Aqua Jason, you get like Hockey you Mask Jason. Space Jason, yeah. There's one called Funland Jason. Nice. <laughs> They're great. And then you also unlock Hawaiian Jason. Yep. And then you unlock new weapons that you can you can use at will, whatever weapons you want. And there's like when you kill the final the final person, it like zooms in and it gives you this nice like cutscene of this brutal kill. And then the best part I think of this game is mother (laughs) mommy uh she's here and she will give you clues if you can't figure out what to do and she kind of introduces each round and each level and tells you what to do and it's really funny because if you ask her for clues then she sort of her clues are kind of like i really hate that guy in the corner with a striped shirt jason Make sure you kill him first. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> and I realized I've been playing it on my little Chromebook and I realized that I opened it up one day at work and when I opened my Chromebook up, I went, and I was like, what? <laughs> and when the, notifica- the game no- sends you notifications to like remind you that you haven't played in a while and that's how it reminds you, like it makes that sound. So and I click on the notification. Oh, and it's, like, it's a creepy little message for mommy. Like, Jason, my sweetheart, where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) It's super cute. It's a free game. You can get it on Steam, Google, Apple Store. But yeah, it's free. And it's super fun. Nice. You guys should play it. I think you even get a choice at the beginning that you can pick like the gore factor. So if you don't want like super bloody, I don't know why you would play Friday the 13th game and not want that. Yeah, that that does seem a little weird. (laughs) I don't know. You know, if you have, I guess if you have like a kid like a 12 year old or something who you're okay with them playing Friday the 13th but you don't want them to see blood I don't know Um, Mm -hmm. the I just added a second one on while you guys were speaking you reminded me of something that I watched it's not technically horror but it kind of is because it's horrifying so Mm -hmm. I'm going to slide it in under the line and call it horror Um, it's a documentary that I saw on Netflix. It's called White Right Meeting the Enemy. Yeah, that that Um, sounds horrifying. And yeah, it's pretty horrifying. But I was really impressed with the way that this documentary was pulled off. It's about a uh an award-winning filmmaker named Dia Khan, a Muslim woman, American Muslim woman, and she decides to go out and do face-to-face interviews with neo-Nazis and fascists. And basically mm-hmm. attempt to put a, a human face to these people and to the movement. It's very uncomfortable, as you can imagine. But there's also some really great moments in this documentary where she sort of asks the right kind of questions and leads up to a moment where you see that person stop and kind of they don't know how to answer a question. <laughs> and I think that I think that this woman, Dia, she's she seems to be approaching these people very uh very openly very nice and you know really making them feel like she's trying to understand and mm-hmm. not being defensive or angry which i don't know <laughs> how she pulls it off but she does yeah. and it's and it's amazing and i think the result of that is that many of the people she sits down with end up thinking of her as a friend of some sort and find themselves having a difficult time you know giving her the answers that hmm. they're supposed to give <laughs> Mm-hmm. She puts a couple of them in a corner where they sort of they go, well, I wouldn't really want that to happen to you because you're my friend. And Dang. she's like, you know, but that- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> and it really like it highlights, I think, a couple of consistencies and personalities between all these different. She talks to several different people who kind of head 
different branches of the movement. You know, there's like somebody who's there. You have your kind of like deep South KKK guys, and then you've got your like modern day neo-Nazis. And then you've got your alt-right fancy dressed hipsters. And she kind of talks to leaders, people at the forefront of all of these. There's a, you know, an upsetting portion where she she's actually in. uh, Was it Charlottesville, Charlottesville, South Carolina? Virginia. She was actually at that. Virginia? Yeah, Charlottesville is in Virginia. I thought it was or South West Carolina West. where the woman was um, killed by the car. No, that's Charlottesville, but that's uh, Virginia. Oh, weird. I thought that was in the Carolinas. Okay. Anyway, she's there at a, in, in a portion of this documentary and she's actually walking with the fascists. And Hello. yeah, and so she kind of gives you a viewpoint of like what was going on with them as they unloaded their cars and as they got lined up for the for the march and everything. So yeah, it's it's difficult to watch and it's unsettling. And then she talks to a couple of people later on in the doc uh, who are sort of, I guess you would call them recovered white supremacists. Hmm. Um, people who came out of the movement and feel a lot of remorse and have tried to make, you know, make amends in different ways for the for the things that they did. But it's a really interesting documentary. I really I can't say that I enjoyed it because it's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I think it's really well done. And I was surprised by it. It was more than what I expected it to be. And it's not it's not super long, which I think is kind of good because, you know, there's only so much of the, that you can take yeah. of mm-hmm. listening to these people speak. But it it does. I think she succeeds in putting a human face to a lot of these characters and a lot of these personalities, with the uh, glaring exception being Richard Spencer, who is Fuck that guy. An even larger piece of shit douchebag the more he speaks. <laughs> I have never seen him speak as much as I have in this documentary. And I just, from the second he opened his mouth until the last moment he was on the screen, I wanted to barf. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He's just, he's, he's one of the worst. I think he's one of the worst that I saw on screen in this entire documentary. And it, that says a lot because, I mean, she talked to some, you know, like longstanding KKK wizards and uh, people that have been in a lot longer than he has. And he just, man, mm-hmm. he just takes the cake for a garbage human. <laughs> That's not the trophy you want to bring home to mom. No, but he's so proud of it. <laughs> he's so proud of how shitty he is. Like, it's incredible. People are the worst. Yeah, I mean, there's a moment when he walks outside of his apartment building and faces it, it. From what you can see on camera, it looks like a bunch of old ladies standing around with like candles, and they're doing like a vigil for the for the young woman who was killed in uh, in Charlottesville. They're just standing there quietly. They're singing quietly. There's you know, and he walks outside and starts like walking through the crowd face to face with these old ladies and like calling them idiots and putting them down. And I just. Oh. Man, I just like that punch in the face was not enough, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was not enough. I mean, somebody, I don't know. I, I don't want to wish violence on anybody really, but he it did not knock any sense into him. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's a great documentary and uh and you guys should check it out. White right meaning the enemy. It's a it's a little bit of a different perspective, I think. At least from a different side. Let me say yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it reminds me of um i can't think of his name right now but he is a black man who talks to kkk members yeah yeah like, that was a big story that was like going around I, a while ago i think i saw a documentary with him in it too 
Yeah, I, I give this woman balls of steel. I ca- I I was watching, I, I was watching it and thinking like, I wonder how many security people she has with her. I hope she has a lot. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, to see this tiny, like, attractive Muslim woman sit down and talk to these people who, who for all rights and purposes, hate her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought that's really brave. I don't. Not only would I not be, I think, tough enough to do that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to carry myself with as much grace as she does wow Mm -hmm. oh there we go i made things uncomfortable for everybody (laughs) (laughs) well i'm just thinking that like now you're welcome we have a really good segue into our main topic (laughs) which is about mind control and brainwashing (laughs) which there's plenty of people in the united states are maybe a little concerned about with all the bullshit talk about fake news and how you can't trust the media and like people getting paranoid about that. Yeah. So we'll just keep this sadness train rolling <laughs> <laughs> and try to alleviate it with some actual references to good horror movies and all that good stuff. So let's take a quick break and then come back and talk about mind control. cultures to heal, control, and amuse, but the modern understanding of brainwashing is actually not that old. The phrase brainwashing itself first appeared in about 1950, came into public use in America as an explanation for how the Chinese government was making their citizens cooperate with them. And in the time between World War II and the Cold War, mind control was a way to explain the crimes of Nazi Germany and later became the explanation the actions of various gangs, countercultures, and religious cults across America. As brainwashing becomes a commonly understood motive for human atrocities, it's a real no-brainer that the concept became a popular trope in horror and sci-fi. Solid. Thank Solid you. Solid <laughs> Proud of myself. <laughs> uh, as I started thinking about the topic, it seemed like there was maybe two branches one of being like this hypnotism which is like this ancient practice that's all about sorcery and mysticism and like was used in like old circus kind of acts and things like that like it makes me think of those like we those giant vaudeville posters for various magicians 
who could hypnotize people. And then there's also this very paranoid kind of idea of of brainwashing this, you know, the kind of classic charismatic leader who brainwashes his followers to do all these horrible things, whether that's like in a religious cult or in Nazi Germany or something like that. I made a list, which I'm sure there's so many more that we could add to it, of like these types of stories. I'm just going to breeze through it real fast so we have a jumping off point. Let's do it. 1984 is the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the clock, A Clockwork Orange, Village of the Damned, Being John Malkovic, Scanners, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Mancurian Candidate, Videodrome, Tucker told me to put Bioshock on this list. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure one of you guys can explain that for me. Absolutely. <laughs> Reanimator, Batman Begins even, uh, They Live. More recently, it came up in Get Out. It's been in Doctor Who and Resident Evil. There was this book that uh, we read in fifth grade called Tripods by John Christopher, where these aliens come to Earth and like put these mind control things on people's heads. Hmm. And I thought that was a really cool book. So, <laughs> that was a so like the brain slugs in Futurama, basically. <laughs> yeah, or like Hypnotoad. Nice. And of course, in like Jessica Jones with David Tennant's character in X-Men, Brave New World, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It seems like in every kind of era of sci-fi and horror that it's been kind of a, a wealth of inspiration. I think it's one of those very guttural fears to not be in control of your own mind. Like it's it's one mm-hmm. of those things that like it would horrify anybody to realize you've been doing things or saying things or thinking things that are not genuine to you. Yeah. Well, it's like your body's being used yeah. without your control. Yeah. It's almost the same kind of violation as like a rape or uh, an assault or something. Yeah. For sure. Bioshock. Mm-hmm. I do want to I do want to tell you about it because it's really cool uh, in a horrible way. Uh, so Bioshock is set in uh, a world where a society decided they could get away from all the horrors of today and build their own utopia underwater, basically. And of course, this is ripe with genetically mutated hybrids and a, a very weird secret society and all this very crazy shit going on behind the scenes that <laughs> eventually tears the entire society apart. So the character Booker, uh, the main character, goes down to visit the this particular society after it's already collapsed. And he's he's there on a mission and he's he's there after everything has happened. So the creatures that are running around are what the humans are after they've already gotten a hold of those weird drugs that turn them into weird shit. And uh, a lot of them are called splicers. There are these uh, big, crazy, giant metal men called Big Daddies who attack bad things <laughs> and also protect little sisters. It's, it's a whole weird thing going on there. But the specific aspect with mind control is while Booker is on his mission, he's basically getting notes and instructions from a higher entity here. Well, not a higher entity. It's a person. But this person is sending them instructions and giving them the story and telling them who to be afraid of and what exactly to do. And every single time they ask Booker to do something, they say, would you kindly? And toward the end of the story in the first game, it's revealed that 
Would You Kindly is a mental trigger for Booker that he has been implanted with that forces him to do whatever was asked. Every single time this person asks him, will you go and do this uh, mission? And they follow it up with, would you kindly? Booker has no choice. He's going to go and do that mission. That reminds me of, I didn't think of it before, but Dollhouse, the trigger words. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I guess that's, you know, Dollhouse has been, yeah, Dollhouse has been on uh, my radar of things to watch for years now. Mm-hmm. Is it good? I watched it when it was airing. Uh, I I don't know. Thinking back on it, I enjoyed watching it watching it when it was on because I had other friends who were into it. So it was like we could all catch up and and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, ugh, Joss Whedon can't enjoy that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> God, men ruin everything. I I wish I was better at playing video games because. That's all just good, cool ideas. Yeah, like I, there were some video games that you would just love so much, and they, the way these worlds are built, like oh my god, the just the visual aspect of the entire Bioshock series is just fascinating as fuck. You would love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many good stories. I just the the fine motor skills of controlling the video <laughs> yeah. game are not there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love like watching other people do it. <laughs> I want to say uh, I've always wanted to play the Bioshock series, but I always have always found it very difficult game to play, technically. And so I watched the entirety of the first one being played by an ex-boyfriend, and the second one I bought and then played for about an hour and a half and didn't make it anywhere. Honestly, the, the second one is terrible. It's, and then I gave up. <laughs> but the third one is just visually stunning. Oh my god, it is like... They're all beautiful. Yeah. I find them all beautiful and I find the story so intriguing, but they're so technically difficult to play. I've never been good at them. Yeah, it, it takes some getting used to. We should we should do a sirens video mm-hmm. thing on that. Someday we'll really get our shit together. <laughs> <laughs> and I spent so many video games. Just hiding behind pillars and creeping around because I was too nervous to just <laughs> get anywhere. <laughs> and see, my approach in games like that is to basically just keep running headfirst into the danger until I get killed over and over <laughs> and over again and eventually kill them. That's funny. <laughs> I think it's probably a more productive way to actually play. <laughs> and creeping around slowly and hiding behind things. <laughs> I, I play video games like I have nothing to live for and it shows. <laughs> um, I don't have a good transition, but... <laughs> <laughs> I started a list of real-life examples of brainwashing. The, the very first one that comes to mind is MK Ultra. Yeah. Which, did either of you watch? There was a Netflix series about it. No, but I do have a tie-in with something recently. So tell us about MK Ultra, <laughs> Sierra, and I'm I'm gonna. Okay, yeah, here. I haven't seen I haven't seen the series yet, but I want to. The MK Ultra was 162 secret projects that were conducted by the CIA beginning in the 50s, and the experiments were mostly about testing things on people without their consent: LSD, sensory deprivation, hypnotism, and electric shock on people like agency operatives to prostitutes and recovering drug addicts and prisoners. So not the best, (laughs) (laughs) not like the highlight of decency. Yeah. Not 
not really what you want from your government, but no, and it's <laughs> it's crazy that it's over a hundred different projects. Yeah, and this is this is a, this. a real yeah. life thing. Like some people still think that this is a weird conspiracy theory, but no, this actually happened. This was uh, mm-hmm. documented and very thorough and upsetting Mm -hmm. one thing that i want to mention here there was a one particular instance during mk ultra that garnered a lot of attention and that was uh the model and actress candy jones Mm. candy jones she was she was a pinup girl she was very famous for quite a while and then her fame kind of started to fall apart after some weird marriages and all this nonsense and some somewhere along the line someone told her she should get involved with this uh, CIA experiment. It would, you know, give her some money. It would reestablish the prestige that she wanted. Uh, They told her she would get it back by doing these experiments somehow. She agreed somewhat, but had no idea exactly what she was getting into. I think, believe it was her second husband, Neville, was part of the MKUltra experiments. And supposedly he began hypnotizing Jones and basically brought out this huge world of weirdness in her personality. He uncovered an alternate personality called Arlene. Under hypnosis, Uh Jones related lengthy and elaborate account of her being trained in a CIA mind control program. It's a little bit much to get into. Candy Jones was represented in the film The Manchurian Candidate. So you'll you'll see mm-hmm. from that. But overall, this is a, a fascinating, fascinating case to just look up and like fall down a Wikipedia hole on it. Like <laughs> it's one of the, yeah, yeah, yeah for of sure. Has kept me up all night <laughs> before. But one really interesting uh, relation that I've seen here is Candy in the recent Twin Peaks reboot. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? There's a fan theory floating around. That Candy, the very, very spacey showgirl that is like constantly in her own world and drifting off. There's and definitely something going on with her. Yeah. And she has wild mood swings. And this very strange girl is supposedly a reference directly to uh, Candy Jones, which I mean, that's just a, a, a fan theory. David Lynch has neither said yes or no on this. But you know what? I'm here for that theory. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, Candy Jones, that poor woman. Yeah. <laughs> There's been some times where brainwashing kind of came into legal instances where it was, you know, we had to decide if it was real or not. You mean like Harry Potter? Or, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I mean, in 1980, when they published you know, the big diagnostic manual of mental disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, in the third edition, they included brainwashing as a, an actual disorder. Really? Yeah, but then they took that one out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me wonder what was going on in the 80s where they were just like, oh, yeah, brainwashing is definitely a, a mental disorder. Yeah. Like imagine being in a therapist's office and your therapist says, well, it sounds like you're brainwashed into doing that load of laundry. So, you know. Yeah, (laughs) it would be really (laughs) scary. (laughs) In the 70s, Patty Hearst was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. She -hmm. said she was brainwashed and made to rob a bank. She was caught and found guilty, but she was using brainwashing as a defense in court, which is interesting. Eventually, I want to do an episode 
about times when like demon possession and things have been used in court because I think that's really interesting. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yeah, people it's, come actually- up a, a, it's come up a couple times of people saying that they were possessed and oh that they God, weren't I in just- control of their actions. I had no idea. Yeah, which is just a crazy, like, very, very black and white kind of two worlds colliding (laughs) that, like, do not belong together of, like, going before the judge and, like, trying to convince them that you've been brainwashed or that you were possessed by the devil. I think that's interesting. (laughs) That is super interesting. Yeah. A very real and very sad instance of real-life brainwashing is in human trafficking across the world. Yeah, It's also abusive relationships and how you can keep people thinking that living in fear and thinking that they are unworthy of a different life and keep them coming back to their captors. It's interesting that they would call it brainwashing because brainwashing has such a big connotation. But actually thinking about it, yeah, it definitely makes sense of like you are changing somebody's way of thinking, whether through just like talking to them or physical abuse or through drugs or something like that either way it makes you an asshole yeah either way you're not a good person (laughs) yeah listen is has there ever been like a hero who brainwashed somebody or like a good person who did it for the right reasons are there right reasons for brainwashing people well i think that kind of makes it one of those which way do you look at it kind of issues because if you Mm -hmm. look back at jessica jones in particular, the purple man legitimately thought that he was doing the right thing by Jessica. Like yeah, the true. villain always thinks they're the hero. Well, unless you're just like really weird, but <laughs> unless you're like, oh yeah, I'm like, I am, the worst person in the I world. Am so evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I will be remembered. <laughs> yeah. But no, the actual heroes have never been out there brainwashing people because that's just a dick move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's um Some very subtle ways that we're all kind of mind controlled in a way. Advertising. Obviously in advertising and even just colors and how different colors can evoke different reactions and assumptions subconsciously without us really knowing that that's why we're making that decision. Um, So there was a test where people were given different colored pills and how the placebo effect was more prevalent when people were given the color of the pill that is expected. So like you think we normally associate blue pills with sleeping pills, red pills with heart pills, and painkillers are usually white. So if you were given a blue pill and you were told, okay, this is a sleeping pill, it would it, you would be more readily able to believe it and have a placebo effect. So what you're saying is I should just go ahead and dip my melatonin in blue dye. And yeah, I think so. And I'll, <laughs> I'll get the sleep easier. <laughs> Yeah, so like in this study, everybody was given placebos. The only thing that changed was the color. So the people who were given blue pills, 66% of them reported feeling less alert. And the people who were given pink pills, only 26% of them had that placebo effect. So like pretty significant differences. Yeah. And I mean, there's like a billion examples of how it, why different fast food restaurants choose the colors that they choose or why different, you know, brands and all of that choose what they choose even the music that the ice cream truck plays Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's i mean there's common ways that the human brain works and people have tapped into that to try to elicit the response that they want 
it's a little scary the level yeah it's and it's like there's little things that are they seem pretty harmless like the way that whatever grocery store you go into is probably laid out the same way and they have flowers and produce right at the front as like the first thing that you see so when you see those things you're like oh this is fresh and so then as you're walking through the grocery store you associate everything with that freshness Hmm. yeah it's called priming the very basic term is that uh if a person sees the word yellow then they'll be just that tiny bit faster to recognize the word banana because of the association so if you see fresh you're going to be like a little bit I don't closer to making that leap. I don't know of thinking why, but right. calling it priming sounds gross to me. It really does because it's like very manipulative. It really is. Um, yeah, it makes me kind of go down a paranoid spiral of like <laughs> I don't trust anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, one of the very like no brainer things is like singing forms emotional bonds, and so there's kind of a mind control aspect to like doing the pledge of allegiance to the national anthem or singing in church. It like makes everybody feel connected more. So like there are certain times where singing feels very weird and out of place. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's weird to sing before a, a football game, right, yeah. but it gets everybody in the same page and on the same energy. That's I know. And like, and then take it a step further. Like, a government forcing people to say i mean we are kind of being forced with all of the like stuff going on in the nfl where you can't silently protest yeah during the anthem you have to be out in the what is it dressing room i don't think they call it the dressing room (laughs) (laughs) shows how much i know (laughs) locker room i think it is yeah, there we go. <laughs> I like the idea of them using dressing rooms, so. though. <laughs> you can tell that I was a theater kid. <laughs> this makes me super paranoid, though. Like, <laughs> what a, like, I know. I want to like, look up all these instances of how this happens and affects us in our everyday life. And then I guess I'll just basically become Dwight Schrute in, in this, <laughs> this paranoid quest of mine. Yeah, it's like you got to... You got to game the game. Once you know what game they're playing, you can like twist it on them yeah. and be like, oh, I'm not going to buy your thing just because it's this color. Advertising already works on me way too well. I know. Me too. I definitely <laughs> buy things if they have better designed labels than others. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm really aware of it in a lot of senses. I'm like, all right, advertising, you crafty bitch. You got me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Happen. I have to accept it. In yeah. Points. So yeah, I'll be honest, I had a lot of hopes and dreams of all the research I was going to do for this episode, because I wanted to find out like, what are the signs that you're being mind controlled? And how can you resist it? And where what are all these other like examples of how people can mind control? And then I just started getting a little like, yeah, out. <laughs> and didn't spend as much time researching as I That is to. understandable. <laughs> One of the signs is that you can't question whether you're being mind controlled anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. You stop wondering. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's mostly what I got. <laughs> this episode has been a bummer brought to you by the sirens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole reading about this woman named Teal Swan. 
mm-hmm. that I noted in here originally because I saw Gizmodo share that they had basically created an entire podcast around investigating her called The Gateway. I started reading about her and I was it's really interesting because anything that I read about her, like if you <laughs> you scroll down to the comments, you're not supposed to ever yeah. read. I see just like I see the comments are about as interesting as what's going on inside the article because people are like vehemently criticizing her for various things and, you know, picking her apart. And then you have these people that are obviously followers for for like jumping in and sort of, you know, with all this kind of gobbledygook, like weird terminology of like, well, you need this and you need that. And you obviously haven't read this and you need to do that. Oh, God. And yeah, it just it feels so like kind of textbook brain control, like, you know, mind washing sort of stuff. So um, she was in a spiritual cult or she's well, she's she's kind of the most current one. She's a an Internet spiritual guru. She started she's got like YouTube, a YouTube channel and it's, she's just now it's got these like uh you know uh places like settlements sort of little commune type retreats in different places and all over the place why does she look like the spiritual leader version of megan fox <laughs> <laughs> yeah heal your mind i'm trying to find the term but she has like she's referred to as the spiritual catalyst i think what people call her yeah her so i'll read you her uh her little author bio is really interesting the first sentence tells you a lot about her teal swan was born in santa fe new mexico with a range of extrasensory abilities including clairvoyance clairsentience and clairaudience she is a survivor of severe childhood abuse today she uses her extrasensory gifts as well as her own harrowing life experience to inspire millions of people towards authenticity freedom and joy her success as a modern spiritual leader earned her the nickname the spiritual catalyst and she's now the best-selling author of three books if you look at her website the first thing you'll notice is that she's got a shit ton of stuff for sale (laughs) everything Mm -hmm. is for sale i think she's got clothing lines jewelry all kinds of stuff she is for sale yeah everything Hey, she was born a month before me. That's insane. I don't know about you guys, but I'd never even heard of those second two magical powers. Yeah, no. Apparently, let's see. I just looked them up. What even is clear audience? Cl- Honestly, well, what the fuck is clear sentience? Means sensing someone's past, present, and future emotional state. Oh god! And clear audience means she can hear what is inaudible. <laughs> oh, oh like god! Ghost talker? I don't know. <laughs> hearing voices Mm -hmm. yeah but it's it's interesting she's interesting to me because she's very like modern she's got this kind of very you know like hip style about her she's got tattoos and long hair and she kind of wears these cool braids and but i i watched uh one or two of her youtube videos and it's you know it's kind of average like saying stuff that's not saying anything Mm -hmm. in very flowery language yeah. So it feels like she's opening your mind to something, but she's really just saying nothing. But it's just, it's really interesting to me because she's apparently got, I mean, a huge following. And there's been multiple people who have written various articles and, and investigated her. She's one of those people that, like, when somebody comes out and criticizes her, there seems to be a an avalanche of followers who are kind of sicked on this person. That's terrifying. 
Yeah, there was one. I'm trying to find it. He and a, and a photographer went and and did a, an interview with her. And he said that the next day when he when they woke up in their hotel, she had already written a blog post about their interview and basically called them, said that she felt targeted and called them instigators and had come out before the their article was wow. even posted, letting people know that like... So priming them basically to expect lies. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a writer for something called Ozzy.com, O-Z-Y.com. And they had met her in a hotel and they did a, they did a, a thorough interview with her. It's funny because the guy who did the interview at the end of this article, he says like he was surprised by how kind of charmed Mm -hmm. he was by her and taken. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, even more uh, surprised to wake up and find that she had written this like terrible blog post, letting all of her followers know that they had done this terrible interview with her and targeted her. That's crazy. Yeah, that sounds like a really night and day kind of reaction. (laughs) She posted about her meeting on a blog. Okay, this is what she posted about their interview. There are two different styles of interview. One is supportive and the other is antagonistic. Calling mine antagonistic because I asked about claims made against her. Unlike a supportive interview, she writes, which is set up to make you look good, the antagonistic interviewer is always biased against you and simply setting up an interview as a trap to make you look bad and make them feel personally validated. So basically, so I think one of the biggest things about her is that she's been she's been criticized heavily for advocating suicide. Hmm. She refers to suicide as being the best option for some people. What? And says it's like hitting a reset button on life. What? Yeah, so this is like kind of where she comes under fire the heaviest and because these interviewers asked her about those claims was the reason why I guess their interview was considered Antagonist. targeting. Wow. Yeah, antagonistic. And she claims that no one can understand the concept of what she's putting out there about suicide unless you've been uh, suicidal. Uh. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. I have to admit that this topic of brainwashing isn't the most exciting for me in a horror aspect because I guess I think of it as very like real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than fictional. I don't know, in a fictional way, it's less interesting sometimes than it is in the reality, right? right? <laughs> And of course, one of the one of the worst cases of this that I don't think was listed on here was the Jim Jones camp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Well, and the Manson murders. Yeah. You guys want to fall down a rabbit hole? You can fall down a rabbit hole with her because she's <laughs> she's a current <laughs> ongoing spiritual brainwasher mm-hmm. who has built herself quite the following. Yeah. Sometimes I have a hard time discerning if it's manipulation versus brainwashing versus I don't even know what else, but like, it seems like there's varying levels, uh-huh. which is maybe just based on people's intentions when they're trying to, to control other people or change their way of thinking. I'd almost be interested to see like a video of one of her live shows because I've read a few comments from people saying that they've been to multiple shows of hers and that she actually mm-hmm. behaves very much in a, in a bully way where she sort of makes jokes about people and, and and kind of humiliates people in front of this audience and wow is very aggressive towards followers it sounds like the what's it called the game where people like gaslight and right. uh, make fun of people that they're going on dates with to try to make them like them right this kind of idea that like if people don't understand or if somebody questions something that she's saying um in front of the audience that she'll sort of turn turn to the audience and like Necking. make a joke about the person so they feel too uncomfortable to respond no, really not 
Mm, that's not a good sign. All right, this is a bummer. Let's wrap this shit yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get brainwashed, yeah, people, yeah. unless you're brainwashed by us. That's okay. Join <laughs> <laughs> our society. <laughs> Well, if you've been enjoying our not-so-happy little horror show, (laughs) we do appreciate it when you guys leave comments on iTunes and Stitchers or wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, it also is very helpful when you recommend it to friends who you don't like podcasts as well. Because we like growing the audience and hearing from different people because, you know, everybody is a... who, Who is a horror fan kind of has their own niche of something that they're very interested in and that's we love hearing new people talk about new things that we don't really know about yet and so as our audience grows we hear more of those things which is very fun and we also like being guests on other people's podcasts um so if you have a podcast that you think we should sit in on or a suggestion for somebody we should have on our show we would love to hear it you can reach us via email at sirens of screen sirens at sirensofscream.com <laughs> or on Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or Facebook, all at Sirens of Scream. And you can find all of our recommendations and show notes and everything and past episodes at sirensofscream.com. I'm at Sierra Hulk on the internet. What about you guys, Jackie? I'm Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Alyssa. You can find me at Alyssa Punch on Twitter and Instagram and also on the Talking Comics podcast. <laughs>